Hello, my name is John O'Connell, and welcome to AMX Fika Leadership Podcast. So over these podcasts, I'll be speaking to some inspirational and innovative data and analytic contributors from across industry and the health and care sectors. I'll be asking each of them to share with us some of the exciting work they have underway, which is helping to shape the health and care analytics space, as well as asking some of them their motivational insights into their career paths to date. So why FICA? FICA is a social phenomenon in Sweden, I thought I'd borrow. It's a legitimate reason to set aside some really quality time to catch up with friends, family and colleagues over a coffee and a cake. So today, um, uh, joined by Dr. Mark Farr. Um, Mark is the Chief uh, Analytical Officer for East Kent Hospitals, University Hospital. And I believe, Mark, that covers Margate and Ashford, is that right? That's right, Margate, Ashford, Canterbury, Dover, Deal. <laughs> Quite a load. And also, I think you're the regional chair, is it, for analytics for Kent and Medway? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we have a shared health and care analytics board. Brilliant. And also, uh, looking through, uh, you were also the founder of Beautiful Information, which I believe was the first NHS private partnership of its kind. And your vision, I think, uh, as I mentioned there, said it's to connect patients, clinicians, managers, through beautiful information to make healthcare simpler and transparent. So I think that's something we'd all sign up to. And <laughs> since we last spoke, um, I believe you're the co-founder, is it, of Open Data Saves Lives, which I think you'll hear more about. Yeah. Brilliant. So, a lot. so Mark, welcome to AMX uh, FICA podcast. So on with the important stuff. It's FICA and we're nicking something from Sweden. I've got a, a bakewell tart with my coffee. What would be your choice of cake? My choice of cake? Christ. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, my daughter makes a nice coffee cake, actually. Oh. Um, oddly, I don't drink coffee, but I like a coffee cake. So Coffee cake. Yeah. Sounds like a good choice. Coffee and walnut, if I'm lucky. And since we last spoke as well, I just we, we, were, we were chatting earlier, and you mentioned as well, I think you're one of three uh, chief analytical officers in the NHS, and uh, be really keen to sort of explore with you, you know, what this role entails and, and you know, why, why you think it's really important now for the NHS to have these roles in place. Yeah, thanks, John. I mean, I think some people might be bored of listening to people like me talk about this, but I, the, the reflection I would give you is that sort of 15 years or so ago, we didn't have CIOs, Chief Information Officers, and that is clearly a really, really important role as we move into, you know, greater use of electronic systems, risks around security, mail, use of smart cards, you know, loads and loads of new technology around hospitals, remote monitoring of patients. You could talk, you could go on and on. So there's clear, there was clearly uh, a gap that needed filling. And I think the chief information officers as a network have handled that really well. So they've got networks of their own, they've got um, trade press, they've got conferences and events and you know they they know each other they get together um they've got the ear of central government they get close to nhsd index and there's digital academies and so on and my my reflection is that um i think that's brilliant but i think the i, I i'm an analyst like yourself mm. and i don't know about cables and wires and i don't want to choose between epic and cerner or all scripts or, or whomever uh, because that's quite a technical decision. What I'm re and, I, and, I, and this laptop in front of me is a Dell laptop. It, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care if it's a if it's running Microsoft or or it's you know or I had a Mac. 
Um, I just, but I'm really, really interested in the data that flows out of these systems and how you then, you know, hospital mortality rates, um, how you count how well a hospital is doing with COVID, um, how and how you do that in real time so that you can monitor outbreaks. That's what I'm really, really interested in, which is, is which is an analysis. And and you know the NHS is doing that all the time. You know we would, you might be looking at centralising a stroke service. You know where should we put thrombectomy as opposed to thrombolysis? Where should we build the next helipad? Um, how many consultations could we do remotely as in person? Those are analytical tasks. They're not technical tasks. They're not they're not about the decision to whether to hold your data locally or in a cloud. I think there are people who've got much greater expertise than that, but. I think there's so much in analytics that's so important that I'm lobbying for more senior roles for analysts. And the conundrum we have, and tell me to shut up in a minute, is that if you if you become a doctor or a lawyer or a professional footballer or a finance director or an HR director, there's a fairly clear career path. Yeah. So if you want to be a finance director, you need to be a chartered accountant, for example. If you want to be senior in analytics, it's not that clear and we hope that it will become clearer with people like you know AFA and the support of the Health Foundation and you know British Computer Society we'll take anyone's kind of lobbying power but we're kind of lobbying for more senior roles in analytics I, I think it's really really important um, and that's part of my sort of shtick that I want to spend the next you know five ten years making the case for you know more analysts better trained you know, yeah. hold us hold us to account to make better decisions, um, but but teach the NHS and hold their hand on you know how to. And there was a really good current example around you know all the press at the weekend is about is the NHS overwhelmed? Well, that's sort of easy to say, but quite difficult to prove. Yeah. to prove. Mm. And I'm definitely not saying it's not, but I think the use of data is very lazy in those discussions. For example. And there's some good theory around this Akoff's um, puzzles problem messes, for example. So is the NHS overwhelmed? I mean, it's a good example of that. Um, and I think it's really hard to set a good research question. You know, is the NHS overwhelmed? That's a really hard question to answer. And it needs theory and it needs good use of statistics. And that implies people who've got the right degrees and people who can write in SQL and all of those things. And I think that field that you and I have kind of been working in for years is so big mm. that it ha it should have its own senior roles. So I'm yeah. lobbying. It's a long way of saying I'm lobbying for having senior roles in analytics. I respect that the CIOs are there and these D chief digital officers that are appearing and you know happy days. You know they can talk about linking PaaS systems up across organisations and inputting, uh, creating healthcare records for patients. That's all, it's all great. I, I can't contribute to that. I can't kind of get my shoulder behind that. I'm really, really, really interested in if there are certain ethnic groups which are more at risk of getting COVID than others, because if they're in our frontline ITU staff, I want to be able to pick the phone up to the medical director and say, my, my analysis suggests that you need to move some of those people back. Um, you know, I'm doing some work at the moment, which relates to work we've done previously at Dr. Foster, where we're seeing um, very high referral rates for diabetes among the Sikh population. And you can you can get into a whole range of cultural hypotheses around that really interesting stuff. But it's it's the domain of the analyst, not the IT folk, I think. So I'm 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 lobbying for 
respecting the IT folk, but keeping them over there. Yeah. Make sure the laptop works. Make sure the iPad turns on. Make sure it's quick. But I'm really interested in what data appears on the screen. I don't care who makes yeah. the screen. I'm just interested in the numbers on the screen and if they're the right colour. You see what I mean? It's, ca it's carving that space out, isn't it, for for yeah. that for that role as such, isn't it, and, and, and creating that sort of gap. And I suppose you mentioned as well, recognising those skills and experiences and shoring up that, that as a profession, giving them something to aspire to as such. But we mentioned about, you know, from a career path, Mark, as well, the career path isn't kind of always clear, is it, really, uh, for, for analytics? And we know that, you know, some of the papers have come out recently that we need to increase capability and capacity uh, in analytics as well, uh, specifically talking to that academic paper that was written about bringing you know, uh, mm -hmm. NHS data analytics to 21st century by Ben Goldick and, and, his, and his team. Um, yeah. How do we? How, how do you think we get sort of young people interested in data and analytics as a sort of career as such? Well, I I agree. I mean, I was on that paper with Ben, yeah. and I, yeah. I think it was a kind of call to action. So, yeah. I, you know, I'm just like you. I'm kind of an old old white man now with a beard, but. I think this is the most interesting job I've ever had. Yeah. So, I, and I genuinely believe that. And because I genuinely believe that, I can go into universities and go, you should come and work in the NHS. If you're interested in maths, come and work in the NHS. Because when you go to dinner parties or parties and then dinner parties as you get older, you won't be telling people you work in a bank and they won't all hate you. You'll be working in the NHS, which has got good pensions, flexible working. It's got more data than you will ever be able to analyze and you'll be able to go home every night and say you worked in the and work in the NHS and you tweaked a pathway or improved the efficiency of an ambulance service or whatever. So because I completely believe that it's the most interesting job you could possibly have, I will kind of bang the drum about that. Um, so I think it's beholden on people like you and I to just go and make the case and go, yeah. this is really interesting, you know, and you know, if you're interested in you know visualization and graphics well yep. look at this we could animate the data you know through a website how cool would that be you know and and i'm i'm constantly trying to make it interesting to young people so i'm trying to create some career paths at the moment in my um trust for some bright young maths graduates who would otherwise drift out of kent into london mm. and just go and get a job in a bank you know, and they'd get their first flat up there and suddenly their life's decided for them like a sliding door moment. If I can kind of get them to come and do a placement or an internship, um, they go, oh, that's actually quite interesting. And it feels quite nice being around patients and hospitals and so on. And it's a bit like, you know, trying to give them an entry-level drug. I think once they're hooked, they're kind of in, you know, the people you I work. should get them to publish some of their stuff as well, get them to... Oh, completely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm doing some work with the Health Foundation where we're, we're writing yeah. a, a kind of a Haynes manual of how to make good... How to make good and a Haynes manual's dates you and I. Yeah, I uh, reckon I've got a few of them. Yeah, but for the, young, for the younger listeners, a kind of IKEA instruction manual... Um, on how to make a good decision because it and how to set a good research question because these things sound obvious but they're not yeah. you know to that point about if you or I are analyst and someone said is the NHS overwhelmed that's quite difficult actually yeah. you know and there's a lot of theory to kind of pick up so I um, it's it's really helpful for us to write things down but it but it's also helpful for us to just signpost people around resources because there's obviously lots on the internet you know, you're, you and I are recording yeah. something now. You might write a blog about this. Yeah. You might put a link in that blog, a way to a piece of work that Paul Strode has done or Sam Riley or 
you know, or, or one of the sort of the big names. Um, and then they quote it and, and it kind of evolves. So, you know, there'll be this type of content, there'll be quite rigorous technical guides, there'll be websites, the work, you know, that we're doing with Open Data Saves Lives, that is just to get it all out there for everybody to use. So one of the sort of slight beefs I've got with the NHS is that we, I don't know why, but we, we like this idea of sort of walled gardens where things like NHS futures, you need a password to get into. Well, you and I can get into that, but you know. What about uh, social care? Yeah. What about social care? Or yeah. what about something from a university? Yeah. You know, they could, the, or the voluntary sector, as you say, you know, I'm sure they can help. I don't it's suppose you, you and I have got all the answers. Uh, it's artificially putting walls up, isn't it, where they're not needed and such, yeah. Yeah. I mean, on that as well, you are saying about, I mean, we were talking earlier uh, before this about some new initiatives that we could do to challenge the existing way of thinking, and one of them was about, you know, publicising the work that analysts do. But what else do you think? You mentioned, I think, was open data saves lives. What's that about? Yeah, so, so a few things in there. So uh, just as a couple of examples, I think we need a more um, confident, bullish approach to information governance and we've seen that during COVID with the COPI notices. So the example I would give you at the moment is we've got permission to link police data to emergency department data yeah. so that we can analyse domestic abuse. So police data on its own will give you 47% of the families at risk. If you link it to emergency department debt, crudely, the file of the bloke who hits his wife yeah. that the police have got, and I've got the file of the wives who've been hit by their husband, if you put them together, you go from 47% to 81% of the families affected. So for me, done appropriately with good security, that is a reasonable use of IG. And I think we hold like that and not be frightened of yeah. what, would the what would the Daily Mail say about this? Um, isn't it awful that Google can see everything? I think we need to be confident about that. So that, that's one example. Um, another example is simply better use of open source. So everybody publishing all of their code. And I think the traditional management consultancies would be guilty of not of getting wrapped up in thinking that there's IP in things that people are building. Yeah. And if you and I were building demand and capacity models, mine for the southeast and yours for the southwest, I suspect we'd share our code. We'd say, here's the sequel, this is what we did, these are the assumptions we made, this is how we treated demand, this is how we treated capacity, just pour your data from the southwest into mine or vice versa. So much, much greater use of yeah. open source. And and if you've built an amazing Power BI dashboard for COVID, well, why am I going to recreate one? I'll just use yeah. yours. So build one, share many, isn't it, mentality, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that's what we're trying to do. That's what we're trying to get going. And, and it's been really interesting because we've just got this really great, amazing network of people that have kind of come out the woodwork who have built APIs into all the government data about COVID and built better data sets sat there in their underpants than, than LHS D and X have managed to do with, you know, this kind of inertia of too many people and not quite sure what to do with it. Let's keep that movement going, isn't it? Mm. Fascinating. And just on, on that, you know, that, that sort of open um, data saves lives, the open source piece of what you mentioned, Mark, how, how do people get involved with that? How would they, they, what do they do to get involved? Yeah, so we, we have a website, opendatasavelives.org, so go to there. We have a Twitter feed, which is lives, not data. Yep. Um, myself, um, I'm, I'm trying to be more active on Twitter. Um, there's a chap called Paul Connell, who is my kind of um, partner. And he set up a thing called the Open Data Institute in Leeds, 
Um, as you and I know, they've run some really, really good events. So it's an initiative that, that Paul and I are trying to get off the ground. But con contact us via Twitter or just go to the website, opendatasaveslives.org. We're looking at people to, it's, it's going to be run not for profit, as you'd expect. So it's a membership model. We just want people to get involved, come with interesting projects, come with sponsorship opportunities um, and, and come with ideas, share code, publish every, everything that we talk about. So everything that we've ever done is on there. Um, all of the webinars that we've run are all recorded, the blogs, the technical blogs, the links through to GitHub, all the sharing of the code, it's all there. So please get in touch through the website um, or contact myself or Paul Connell on Twitter. That's great. Oh, thanks, Mark. That's really good. So fascinating uh, insight into that. So yeah, lastly, just for yourself, um, what do you do to unwind outside of data analytics? I'm a. I've got. An, I'm the age where I used to play a lot of football um, at a reasonable yeah. level. Of course, my knees, my back, and everything's just broken. So I just cycle. I've got really, really into cycling. And, yeah, I, and my brother said there's three things. He said it will keep you fit. It's social, and yeah. if you like, if you like shopping, there's so much stuff you can buy. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, fact, I've done the same thing. We did we, myself and my wife did it. It's addictive, isn't it? It's really addictive. And we went out, and uh, unfortunately, she fell off and broke her collarbone. She reckons I nudged her from the back, but that wasn't the yeah. case. But, but yeah, no, it's amazing uh, uh, sport to do, isn't it? No, yeah. thanks for, for joining the uh, Fika MX. But uh, we'll hopefully have you on again uh, in the future. But thank you. No problem. Cheers, John. Look forward to it. So I'd like to thank our speaker for joining us today and for everybody else tuning in to this podcast. Uh, look forward to seeing you in the future.